0: Okay. Okay. So we are on chapter six. We're moving right along. Um, Please remember, um, feel free to um, either unmute yourself for a question or put questions in the chat box. I can see them as I'm teaching. And I just want you to feel comfortable to ask your questions at any time. Um, We're on chapter six. I had a little bit of a dilemma because um, I wasn't sure um whether to combine a couple chapters cuz they're like kind of work together or kind of keep it a chapter a week. And so I decided that I was going to keep it a chapter a week because as much as you know combining chapters can be productive I also feel like we pack in a little too much information and then we have um, a little bit of an overload. And then this way, if class ends a little earlier, that's no problem, or we have a little bit more time for questions. So this will probably be a little bit of a shorter class because we're only going to do chapter six and it's not very long, but um, it will allow us the opportunity to really um, make sure we understand it before we move on to chapter seven. So that was my like thought process and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so last week, chapter five, what if we were to like, say what did we learn about in chapter five in one word what word would you use torah right like we literally talked about torah and we said the at the end 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 of the class we were like okay how do we summarize the chapter you are what you eat right we talked about the fact that torah is food for the soul okay i want to like just talk about that just delve into that a little bit for a second before we move on to chapter six. Okay. So as we, we need to be really, really clear on something, because I think sometimes as we forget that we have a finite brain and we have as smart as we are, and different people have different capabilities and different capacities, but every single person who's human has a finite brain. Okay. So no thought can really grasp Hashem. Okay, I want you to remember. We need to rem- we need to remind ourselves that because we're trying to understand and grasp Hashem, but we're a finite brain trying to grasp the infinite. Okay, so um, you cannot grasp infinity, no matter how big your mind is, no matter how smart you are. So, what are what are we doing when we study Torah? It's like number one and especially Tanya, like we're trying to understand as much as we can about Hashem and the way the world works and the inner workings of the world. But eventually, I think it's important for us to know that eventually we're going to hit a wall. Each person's wall might be at a different place, but eventually there's going to be a point where you're going to have to say, my, in, my finite mind will not be able to grasp this infinite concept. And we are our work is to be okay with that to be like, OK, you know what, I don't understand it completely because how could I? I'm a finite brain trying to grasp the infinite. So, But Torah is interesting because Torah is a little bit of a paradox. Right? What's the beauty of Torah is that the Torah is the finite code for the infinity. And I love like just thinking of it that way because no matter what we learn, like we can learn Torah for, you know, what's fascinating is that you can learn Torah for forever and still learn something new. Like, how does that make sense? Torah is Torah. It's a finite thing. We have the Torah, we have the books, we have. But because it's the code for the infinite, no matter how many times you learn it, it's going to, you, you're always you're always going to discover something new. And there's always new things to learn about the Torah. So that's what we, we learn it every year and every year, we come about it in a different perspective. There's so many different explanations. Everybody understands it differently. But it's really fascinating because the more you learn it, the more you realize how much more there is to learn. And the more you realize that, really, we're never going to grasp it completely. So really, it's this like finite thing that's kind of bridging the gap to the infinite. It's helping us pave this way to like creeping up and understanding the infinite as much as we can. So Tanya is like the code between that finite and the infinite. Okay. And what's really, really, really special about learning Torah is that what is Torah? What is Torah? Torah is Hashem's opinion, right? So opinion is is more than wisdom. We're not only learning Hashem's wisdom. What's an opinion? Like we're learning Hashem's will, Will is way deeper and way um, more intimate than wisdom, right? We talked about last time, if you want to really get to know someone, you get to know what they want, not what they need, not what they know, right? Like if you're really trying to get to know someone, you're not like, oh, what? what how much do you know, right? No, you're like, what do you want? what's your opinion? Like, who are you as a person? That's how we get to know somebody. So the same with the Torah, when we're learning the Torah, we're getting to know Hashem. What does he want? What does he think about certain things? How does he want us to live? That is a huge, that is how we're, that's why we're, Torah is the way that we're um, having union with God, because we are getting to know what he wants. And that's also why people ask questions like, why are we learning these like Torah scenarios? Like some of these Torah scenarios like are never gonna happen, right? Or they're not gonna happen in our lifetime, especially now, like we're learning things that happen. If you live in America, you're learning things that only happen in Israel or Karbanos or sacrifices or, you know, things that don't apply right now. And the point is, is because it doesn't really matter. Because when you're learning these things that don't even apply right now, what you're doing is you're connecting with God's will. You're understanding what his position is on these things. Even if it doesn't actually take place, you're still getting to know God, right? And that's the point of Torah is getting to know God, what he wants, what his will is, what he wants from us, his opinion. And that only happens through Torah. Okay, so um, that was just like a little bit of a recap on chapter five, and now we're going to slide right into chapter six, okay? So chapter six begins with a quote from Shlomo HaMalach, and basically, in English, the quote is, everything has um, in this world is balanced. There's a counterpart to every single thing. Okay, what does it mean in this context, right? There's a mirror image of um, everything that exists in holiness exists in unholiness. So there's a balance between holy and unholy, Okay. Now, what are we going to be doing in this chapter is we're going to be talking about the animal soul, right? Holy and unholy. So in other words, like you could describe it as good and evil, but we're gonna talk about those words a little bit more in a few minutes because they're not really good translations of what we're trying to talk about because really what we're trying to talk about is holy and unholy. Okay, so until now, the focus has been our, what has our focus been? Our godly soul, right? Um, From the end of chapter one, we introduced the animal soul and we talked about it first for a few minutes, but we just introduced it and we said, this is what we have it's an enlivening soul it's it's selfish self itself its whole goal is to have self-preservation and we kind of stopped there and then we spent the next five chapters talking about our godly soul so let's review right chapter two we introduced our godly soul and what its motivation was right chapter three we talked about what are the what is the composition of the godly soul right 10 the 10 faculties, right? Seven emotional, three intellectual. That's the composition of the godly soul. Chapter four, we talked about, well, it's great to know the composition of the godly soul, but how does the, how does it interact with the world? And we learned about the three garments of the godly soul, which are thought, speech, and action, okay? Um, then, chapter five, we learned what what's the food for the soul? How do we fuel the godly soul, right? And finally, here we are at chapter six and we're like, okay, now we know um, the composition and the motives of expression and the energy. Like we know everything about the godly soul. What about the animal soul? So he, this is where Shlomo HaMelech comes and he says, everything is equal. Whatever you have in holiness, you're going to have in unholiness. So what does that mean? Everything the godly soul has, the animal soul has. That's why we don't need to spend such a long time talking about it. We're going to talk about it for like half of chapter six, because we don't really need to, like, it doesn't take that long to say like, okay, whatever the godly soul has, the animal soul has. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So what does it mean is that animal soul has 10 faculties, okay? It has seven emotional components and it has three intellectual components. It has the same three garments thought, speech, and action, right? The only difference is, is um, orientation, right? How is it oriented? The godly soul is, all his things are naturally oriented for godliness, for selflessness, and the animal soul uses all his faculties and all his modes of expression for self-preservation, Okay now we're we're going to understand something very important about the animal soul and and its its inherent qualities. Now it's interesting because the only difference that the Tanya you, like there's a slight nuance in what and how the Alter Rebbe like lists the animal souls qualifications and its composition. So remember when we listed the godly souls faculties we said First, we have three intellectual capacities, right? Chachma, bin, adas. And then we have seven emotional capacities. And what was the relationship between the two? Parent, child, right? The intellect um, gives birth to the emotions. You remember that? You're with me on that? Okay, so here, the the altar up is so subtle, but he's sending a very, very clear message. Here, it lists the seven emotional components first. before the intellectual components. Why do you think he does that? It's still true. The animal soul, like the intellectual components are still the source of all our feelings is still our intellect. So why does the altar of us switch it around? And I loved, I loved this explanation. It's because um, we, it's still a parent-child relationship. But in the animal soul, the children's are the children are running the home. All right. We all I mean, we all experience that. Like, how many times are you like, I just live here, I don't know what's happening, right? So in our animal soul, yes, if you source it back, our thought, our our emotions are still coming from our intellect, but our we're letting our emotions take over and run the show. So for example, when you feel something and, you're, and it's coming from your animal soul, which means it's coming out of a self-preservation or it's not godly, right? Then what does it look like? Basically, you think, I feel, I feel, right? God, listen, we live in 2021. It's all about how we feel, right? I feel, I feel. So what happens is, is that I feel, then our feelings go to the intellect and say, hmm, well, how do I rationalize this feeling so I can feel it without guilt, right? So yes, the, the, remember, we talked about the more you think about something, the more you care about something, the more you surround yourself with something, the more that's what you're gonna think about and care about, right? So that still is true. But what happens is in the animal soul is that we've lost a little bit of control. Our children are running the home. So the feelings are the thing that's getting paid attention to the most. And so our feelings is all of a sudden, what comes up for us, how we feel. And then we have, to rash, we have to rationalize our feelings. And then, so our feelings go to the intellect to rationalize them. I, I, I see, my, we do this all the time. I see myself doing it. Like I feel this way, but I need to like not feel like garbage about myself or feeling this way. So then I go and rationalize my feelings. And you know, I, I say to my teenager all the time, I'm like, you can rationalize anything. You can rationalize murder. I mean, you can, your brain is so powerful that you can rationalize anything. And I love, um, I love my, my husband always tells my teenager and I love it because, you know, like they come to you and they, uh, they have a request and they're like, there's nothing bad. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing bad. Everybody does it. Right. So my husband always turns to her and says, there might be nothing wrong with it, but what's right with it. Right. Tell me what's right with it. Then we can talk. Just because nothing's wrong with it doesn't mean we should do it, right? So, I mean, that's a little bit of a digression, but it just reminded me of of that concept because we can, like, we're we're smart. God created us with really a lot of capacity. And so we can rationalize whatever we want. So the point is, is that in our godly soul, it's a little, things are under control, right? Everybody knows their place. Everything's in order. You know, the parents are, are the boss and they're dictating how we feel. In our animal soul, not so much. Kids are running amok. Feelings are all over the place. And we use our intellect to rationalize our feelings. And how do we learn this? Just by the Alter Rebbe switching what he says comes first. In the godly soul, he says the intellectual capacities come first. And In the animal soul, he's saying the emotional capacities come first. Not because the actual um, uh, the actual logistics are differently. It's just that what our animal soul does, you know, makes us feel like our feelings are coming before our our, our intellect. Okay, so let's clara- clarify what what is good and evil and holy and unholy, according to the Tanya, which is what we're learning and which is how we want to live our life, right? It's not, you can't just say good and evil, because there's a lot of things that are unholy that are not evil, okay? They're not synonymous. Evil doesn't mean, not everything unholy equals evil. Everything evil will obviously be unholy, but not anything, not everything unholy is evil, right? They could just, just being unholy. So how we want to describe the the balance, right, of holy and unholy is the best way to think about it is literally surrendered and unsurrendered. Okay? So what does that mean? Everything holy is surrendered to God. When we're doing something holy, when we're carrying out Hashem's will, we are our us our body our soul everything is surrendered to god anything that's not godly is unsurrendered it just it means you're you're doing something that's not godly which means you're not surrendering to god doesn't evil still have holiness yes we're going to get to that that's ex- where it's exactly where we're headed we're going to touch upon it at the end of this chapter and then talk about it more in chapter 7 so yes everything in this world, has to come from God. Okay, so just hold that hold that thought, and we're gonna get there. Okay, so God, the godly soul is inherently surrendered. Okay, your godly soul is inherently surrendered to God. Sometimes it's not able to express itself because we're there's too many layers on top of it, but our godly soul is naturally surrendered to God. What does it mean? Um, what's our animal soul? Our animal soul is neutral. Okay. So it's naturally unsurrendered, but it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Okay. So let's, let's work backwards for a minute. Okay. So what's another word for good? In, in Hebrew, you use a word like kadusha, right? Holiness. Holiness is when we are surrendered to God, when we become an extension of godliness. So every time we're involved in something holy, we are an extension of godliness. We are becoming the vehicle for which godliness comes forth. Holy, okay? The way the Tanya describes unholy or bad, quote unquote, which we're not going to use that term, but just to bring context here, is we're going to learn a kabbalistic term. The kabbalistic term that is good to know because it's going to come up many times, Natanya, is the word "sitra achra." Has anyone ever heard, familiar with that word? "Sitra achra." What does it mean? Like, what's the translation of "sitra achra"? Other side. Other side doesn't mean evil. It means other side. What does that mean? That the, neg- the negativity or the godly soul is coming, the animal soul is coming from the backside of God, which where God is hidden. We don't necessarily see him. He's not co- it's not completely surrendered to God. So when we say there's Kedusha, there's holiness, and there's Sitra achra, which literally means other. OK, like I said, other doesn't mean evil. We can be doing a mundane activity that's other. It's not godliness. Does it mean we're doing something evil? No, it just means you're not surrendered to God in the moment. And really, it's black and white. You're either surrendered or you're not surrendered. You're either doing something godly or you're not. Okay. Like you'll learn in the Tanya, there's a lot of gray because everything is relative and depending on the person's ability. But sometimes things are black and white. You're either surrendered or you're unsurrendered. Okay. So. You could even be doing a harmless activity or even something productive. You could be doing something productive, but it's not, it's not godly, so you're not surrendered to God, which means that the energy that, is, the energy that that's coming or feeding is other. That energy is other. It's not holy energy. Are you with me so far? Any questions before I continue? Okay, so the animal soul is not inherently bad, okay? The animal soul is neutral. This is what's so unique and special. It's neutral, it can go either way. It's default mode is neutral. The godly soul's default mode is surrender, is holiness. That's where it's gonna go by default all the time. The animal soul is neutral. Its energy comes from other, but it's neutral. It has the ability to go either way, depending on ding, 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 what you do. Okay. So when we choose to do a mitzvah or think, when we choose to do a mitzvah, we are not only is our godly soul being surrendered to God, but that's not, that's not, that's nothing great. Our godly soul is naturally surrendered. Who cares? Who cares that our godly soul is surrendering when he's doing a mitzvah? He's already surrendered. What's the amazing thing that happens when we do a mitzvah or we do God's will is that our animal soul is surrendered. Our animal soul, thought, speech, and action, our animal soul's 10 faculties, those become surrendered to God when we choose to do something holy. And when we choose to do something unholy or neutral or, or there's no neutral, the, um, We're learning uh, chapter six. Um, The animal soul is neutral, but there's no such thing as a neutral action. Guys, this is big stuff. There's no such thing as a neutral action. Either you're surrendering to God or you're not. Okay? There's such thing as, there's not, there's such thing as like a, you're not, you're not doing evil, but you're either surrendering or you're not surrendering. Like you're either going up the ladder or down the ladder right we're never we're never stagnant we're never just staying put every action we do gets us higher on the ladder or lower on the ladder just depending on what we choose to do okay so we're going to introduce the second word i want to teach you which we're going to just talk about briefly here but then that's we're going to take it more in chapter 7 next week okay so how do like how do we understand this idea of something neutral okay especially because 99% of this world is neutral, okay? Nothing actually is naturally holy except for our soul. Nothing in this world is holy by itself unless we make it holy. And very 1% of this world is actually inherently um, untouchable. I'm not going to use the word evil because like we said, everything has, Godliness in it, but it, it's untouchable. Okay, so what is that? What, what what what's the thing that's going to help us understand that? Is the concept of klipa. I'm sure many of you have heard the word klipa. It what it literally means is shell. Okay, and there are different types of klipot, different types of shells. There's klipas noga, which is what we're going to discuss about right now. Klipas noga is literally means shiny. It's the shiny shell. Why is it shiny? Because um, it's not that the actual shell is shiny, but it means that the the item is translucent. Like you can see through it, light can shine through it. Okay. Now we're going to take this low and please ask questions. Is that like the concept of elevating material items in a challah? Is Yeah, exactly. This is a like exactly. If you're if you're, we'll get to it in a, in a second in, in more depth. But if you're using physical items, flour, water, eggs, whatever, to make challah, those things aren't inherently holy. But when you make a challah and you make a blessing on it, and you use it for a mitzvah, now those physical things become holy. Besides for your actions and your animal soul is doing something holy, but those physical items that you're using are now elevated. But let's understand the mechanics of that, okay? So we have a concept called Klipas Noga, which means it's a translucent shell. What does that mean? It means that you can see through it, okay? Everything, and this is where we're gonna get to your question about, um, isn't, doesn't evil also have holiness? Everything in this world exists only because it has divine energy willing it to exist. Okay, Nothing exists in this world without God willing it to exist. So what does that mean? That, obviously, anything that exists is because God wants it to exist. And it has a piece of God in it, or else it wouldn't exist. So it's perpetual existence. If God wanted it to stop existing, he would just have to stop wanting it to exist, and it would stop existing. So everything in this world does have divine energy in it. Now, where the Klippa comes in is that sometimes that divine energy is accessible and sometimes it's not to us as humans. What does it mean when the divine energy is accessible? Like I said, 99% of this world has is neutral and has divine energy accessible, which means you can take anything in this world and either elevate it or demote it. Okay, so whether it's a table or a chair or a food or uh, or nature, all these things are inherently neutral, but it has a divine energy in it. And what makes it accessible is that the divine energy, you can see it. It has a translucent shell. For example, like there's different types of fruit, right? Fruit, some some fruit have a thick, thick peel that you can't see the fruit. You have to. And some some fruit actually have more peel than fruit right? And some peels are very, very thin. And if like, for example, like a grape, if you hold a grape up to the light, you can see right through it. You can see the seeds of the grape. It's translucent. So we're saying Klipas Noga is like a grape. Like most of the world is like a grape. It's a translucent shell. It's created neutral and it has a divine energy in it. And we can tap into that divine energy because the shell is, 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 is transparent. So we can see, oh, this thing has potential to be godly. Now, some people will be able to tap into it easier than others, and some things are easier to see the divine energy in it than others. But, be, but general rule, 99% of this world has, is klipasnoga. It it's divine energy is accessible. We have the power to elevate And tap into that divine energy okay so example making challah lighting shabbos candles are candles inherently holy no you can use candles for a lot of terrible things right but the shabbos candles are now going to be holy even our torah mezuzah tefillin like what what is that that's taking regular things parchment ink materials all those things are inherently neutral but then we took it and elevated the divine spark in it and made it holy. Now, what are some of the things that are untouchable? God is saying, and we're going to talk about, it's called Klippas Timaeus. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But just to, to contrast what we're learning right now, there are things like a ham sandwich, right? A ham sandwich still has a divine spark in it or wouldn't exist. But what God is saying is that that divine spark is untouchable to you. I am putting a thick shell around this divine energy because I don't want you to go near it. Don't try to elevate a ham sandwich. No matter how many blessings you make, that divine, that ham sandwich will always be evil, evil, okay? Like, excuse my liberal term of evil, but, or, and untouchable. You cannot elevate a ham sandwich. You cannot elevate sh- uh, money that you stole. You can't be Robin Hood. You can't. Steal money and then give it to charity. That money is now inherently untouchable. Right? So that's what the klipa, the shell, helps us understand. That there are things in this world, first, back up. Everything in this world has a divine energy spark. How do we know that? Because it wouldn't exist if it didn't have it. Right? It couldn't exist if God didn't will it to exist. So some things the spark is accessible and some things, the spark is untouchable. 99% of the world is accessible to us. We can take these things, these physical items and elevate it because it has a, it has a transparent divine energy that we can tap into. 1% of the world, even though deep down it has a divine energy, it's untouchable to us. God says, I'm giving you a clear warning sign. Don't go there. You are not able to elevate it. Yes, it has a divine energy because I want it to be here, but it's not for you to elevate. It's untouchable to you. Okay? And how does that apply to our animal soul? Our animal soul is klipasnoga. It's It's translucent. It is, has a divine energy spark in it. Now it's just depending on how you use your, de, your animal soul that will determine what, where it goes. Is it being elevated to holiness or is it being demoted to something unholy? And that will change, right? Like that is something that is not like, you know, it doesn't last forever. When you're doing a mitzvah, you're, neutral animal soul is now holy but it doesn't once you've done the mitzvah it goes back to neutral until your next action are you with me any questions because we're really almost wrapping up this chapter because really six seven and eight could have been all together but I really wanted to just and it's also not a bad thing that we have a shorter class on a day that is not our scheduled day um but I um but this is this is the concept that we're learning here. What did we start with? First of all we have an don't we spent so long talking about our godly soul we have to understand what's the composition of our animal soul. What is the composition of our animal soul? The same exact composition of our godly soul. Right? That's why we don't need to spend too much time on it because everything we said everything is created with balance. And if you think about it in the world like the energy, right? Like, you know how sometimes when you want to do something really, really positive, you, you're you met with so many obstacles because that negative energy, the balance of that positive energy is trying to trip you up and stop you. So I don't know, for me, like when I'm trying to do something like positive, like it's always sometimes so much harder because that negative energy is, is coming out too. You ever heard of the term, no good deed goes unpunished? Think about it. Think about it as that right? Everything you do has the dark side, or every dark side has a positive side, right? Or the same way you look at it is like the, the silver lining of a cloud, right? It's, it's, it's what the modern day, um, you know, quotes are telling you that there's just an equal balance to this world. And we have to tap into the part that's holy, but doesn't mean it's not going to be met with challenges. So we have an animal soul. It has the same composition as the godly soul. So we don't, need to, we don't need to like delve into it too much, right? We just understand that usually the children are running the animal soul instead of the parents, right? So we got that clear. Um, and then um, we talked about, well, we need to understand what neutral means, right? Because we understand there's holy and unholy, but where does our animal soul fall in, right? It's obviously not holy and it's obviously not unholy right? Or else that wouldn't work. So we understand this concept of neutral. This concept of neutral exists in the world, and it also exists within us, okay? And klipas noga is the term we use for something that's neutral, okay? Something that's neutral means it's translucent. It's transparent. You can see the divine energy inside of this thing. 99% of the world, we can tap into that godly energy and elevate it. And when we do, we are also elevating our animal soul along with it. So our thought, our speech, and our action can be godly and elevated to holiness. Or we can use it for unholy, which means either we're surrendered to God or we're unsurrendered. Yeah? Okay. Okay. There's a a couple of questions that I'm going to answer. Let me just make sure that I covered everything I wanted to. Okay. Um, I think we we, we covered it all of the actual, like, even if you look in the Tanya, it's a very short chapter. I think we covered what we needed to um, on this chapter. So I'm going to answer some questions. We'll do a meditation. And um, after the meditation, if any questions come up, we'll answer them. And then I'll let you go early. Look at that. Out of class early. OK, the animal soul can be elevated to holiness, but only when we are in the moment of doing the mitzvah. Is that correct? After the mitzvah, the animal soul reverts to neutral. Yes, that is correct. When we're doing, it's not, because the animal soul would be a godly soul, right? The godly soul is always inherently surrender to God. Our animal soul only surrender to God when we're doing something godly. And that's our free choice. That's in our control. So when we're doing something godly, when we're fulfilling God's will, doing a mitzvah, then our animal soul becomes completely surrendered to God. After that mitzvah is over, it goes back to neutral. And then depending on our next action, it will go up or down. Now, the cool thing is, is that, you know, when you condition something, it becomes easier, right? So the more positive actions we do, it won't be so difficult for our animal soul to become holy because it's conditioned, it's being conditioned to do that just like the other way. Like if we spend our time doing unholy things, it's gonna be conditioned to do that and it'll be much harder to get it to do a mitzvah, right? So it's not to say that your actions um, when you do a mitzvah don't have a lasting impact. They absolutely do because it'll be easy. It's like slowly but surely, the more you do it, the more willing and able your animal soul is is gonna be along for the ride and not fighting you every time. Right, but to actually have your animal soul surrendered to God, it's during the mitzvah. Or else you do one mitzvah and then you're then you're free, right? Like I did one mitzvah, my God, my animal soul is godly forever. I don't have to do anything anymore, right? That would kind of defeat the purpose of the world. Um, okay, any other questions? Okay. Before we go to our meditation, I want to um, tell you about another little platform that we can take our Tanya classes. And if you ever have any questions or want to talk about something deeper, we can do that. I finally got my Schmoozy app figured out. I now have um, on YouTube, I have the video of this class is recorded, but on, on Schmoozy, I have the audio kind of like a podcast on Schmoozy. There's a podcast section. Just click on the podcast section, type in my name, I'll be there. And each chapter has its own little forum. Each chapter has its own little kind of like um, chat room almost. Remember chat rooms, like AOL chat rooms? Who's old enough to remember those? (laughs) Each thing has kind of like its own chat room. So chapter one has one, chapter two, three, four, five, six. And what I also did is I put on each chat room, each forum, I put points to ponder, on each chapter, so the kind of the main things we discuss in one sentences. So you ever if you want to look back and be like, oh my gosh, what did we talk about in chapter one? You can go to the Schmoozy app. It'll be on there. It'll be point a couple points to ponder for chapter one. And if you have any questions on that forum, you can just type in a question. I will see it. I can voice note. I can answer. I can video. I can do all sorts of things. So it's a really cool app. If you don't have it, I really recommend it. Um, there'll be a link to it in my Instagram bio. I don't have really another way to show you guys. So anyone who's on my Instagram, if you go to the link in my bio, there'll be a link for schmoozy. And check it out and explore. Um, That's my commercial message. Now, okay, everybody get comfortable. Take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And... When you're ready, gently close your eyes. Now I want you to follow your breath. Let your breath lead you. And also if you focus on your breath, don't focus so much on what's going in your mind, on in your mind. Leave that alone. Just focus on your breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Now observe is your breath shallow or deep? quick or slow, don't change it, observe it, and go with whatever your natural rhythm of your breath is doing. So spend a minute there. Now I want you to try to visualize any tension or stress that's in your body. I want you to try to visualize it, visualize it just moving through you and coming out your extremities. So any tension or stress you might be holding, just let it go. Let it come out through your fingers. Let it come out through your feet. And even if you don't feel it happening, visualize it, imagine it happening. Like if you could just get rid of your tension through your extremities. What does that feel like for you? Okay, so now bring your attention to a couple points that I want you to ponder and take with you. Unless you make a conscious effort, your animal soul will always direct you towards a superficial life of self-gratification. So unless you're paying attention, your animal soul's default mode is going to be self-gratification but it doesn't have to be stuck there, okay? Because we can consciously elevate it. Good and evil in Tanya language. Now, from now on, I want you to think about good and evil in Tanya language as surrendered and unsurrendered, okay? Kadusha, holiness surrenders to God and becomes an extension of godliness and sitra akhra the other side is just not surrender to God it's the opposite okay and the last point I want you to ponder is that everything in this world exists because of a divine energy okay Some things are accessible because of Klipas Noga, the the translucent shell. We can see the divine energy. We can elevate it. And some, very small percentage, but some is untouchable. If God says something's untouchable, like a ham sandwich, don't try to elevate it. It's not going to work. Okay? I want you to sit with those thoughts for a minute or two and... How does it feel in your body, in your mind to just sit with these thoughts? Slowly bring your attention back to your breath, which means you're not focusing on your thoughts so much anymore, you're focusing on your breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Slowly become aware of the smells, sounds, sensations around you. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. How's everyone feeling? Okay. Any questions come up when you're pondering these while you meditated or anything that doesn't sit right, isn't clear, wanna know more about? We have a couple minutes. I'm happy to answer some questions. If not, I'll let you go. Okay. All right. If a question does come up, that's why I love this new Schmoozy app, because if a question comes up, just get on there, go to the chapter that you have a question on, and just let it know. It comes up on my phone. I'll answer it when I can, and it's a really great way to continue the topic, the conversation, the discussion, um, and um, keep it alive. Now, uh, what's your Instagram? Javi Brook, C-H-A-V-I-E, B-R-U-K. So it has on my instagram if you go to the bio it will have the link to the youtube recording and it will have the link to schmoozy it will have a link to if anyone if anyone needs the link to actually get to go onto zoom it has everything on there um, all right we are good short sweet and clear yes we definitely it's not that early it's 7:46 we didn't i didn't give you too much time but um, we definitely got what we needed to get covered in this chapter 6 And we'll be back here next week, regular time, okay? Regular time, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time um, for chapter seven, which probably my my guess is that six, seven, and eight will all be a little shorter because it could have been together and I'm splitting them up, okay? So have a wonderful week. Thank you, everyone who joined today. Um, Even though it was off schedule, I so appreciate it. And we will see you next week.